Welcome to Spinning Out. I'm your host, Josh Robbins. This is a podcast where we talk to guests about their favorite albums. Today, we're talking with Jared Rogers of the band Nerve Endings. We talked about the Wipers 1983 album Over the Edge and about how Greg Sage is such a mysterious fellow. Like, what the fuck is he up to these days? Well, actually, after we chatted, I found a recent Rolling Stone article from August 2020. Kind of answered some of the questions we volley back and forth, but honestly, still not much. But check that out on Google. Nerve Endings released their most recent album, Punch In, Get Bent, in 2019, and they're cooking up new tunes as we speak. Jared is a great friend and plays in a dozen bands in Johnson City, Tennessee, and also plays in my band, Late Bloomer. We haven't gotten to play together much because of, well, COVID. Missed so much being in the van with him. Seriously, one of the nicest dudes who will honestly give you the shirt off his back. I knew people say that often, but I think he truly would. Okay, please check out our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash spinningoutpot. My co-host Sarah and I talk about records we liked a lot when we were younger and revisit them as much older and jaded individuals. Subscribe for as little as $1 a month and get an exclusive episode every week. It really helps us keep doing what we're doing, and we super appreciate your support. So please check that out. Okay, no delays. Let's chat with Jared. Hey, Jared, how's it going? Hey, Josh, how's it going with you? Uh, pretty good, just, uh, you know, like Garfield said, Mondays. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, is this a, what day is this? It's Monday. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's my day off, so I'm just kind of being lazy at the house today, playing video games and stuff. Uh, what are you playing? Well, I'm downloading the new Horizon game, so as soon as this is over, I'm going to fight some dinosaurs, mm, robot uh... dinosaurs. Have you played Elden Ring yet? No, I'm not a nerd. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I just can't afford it. Uh, I, I, it looks good. I've watched a friend play it. I'm curious, but I'm not good enough at those games. They make me mad. Make yeah, me yeah. mad. I really just uh, knew the name, so that's about as far as I knew. I know that people have been playing it, so outside of that, uh, I have nothing else to add in that regard. But... Uh, we are not talking about video games today. We are talking about Wiper's album Over the Edge. That's from 1983. It's their third album that came out on Trap Records. That's Greg Sage's label. And then later was re-released on Restless Records. And so what I'll ask is, when was the first time you heard the Wipers or this album? So this was the first Wipers album that I ever heard. Uh, uh, there, I used to play in a band, this guy named Moose. I was like 17. Uh, he's this wild hillbilly genius <laughs> guitar mm-hmm. shredder. Uh, and just like he's an encyclopedia of, of rock and roll and punk rock and, and metal even. Uh, and he used to, like this when CDRs first became a thing, he got super into making CDRs for his friends and mix CDs and stuff. And uh, he got me into this album. So the first wiper song i ever heard was over the edge the opening track and uh yeah i mean i was pretty much sold right away the first riff's amazing and then the second riff is like even better and it's just kind of that guy he was those cds that he would make that got me into like gun club and all sorts of that kind of weird spooky punk yeah 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 i i mean i feel like i'm jumping ahead but i always think about like Wipers are always a band that feel like you have to like turn someone on to them. And yeah. it feels like you're constantly like, I know I'm, I don't even listen to them like all the time or anything, but I feel like I'm like, Oh, telling people that I think would like it. Like, Oh, you should check out the wipers. And they're like, Oh, I've never heard of them. It sounds like such a generic punk band name. Also. I think people like hear a band in their head when you say the wipers, that doesn't sound like what the wipers actually sound like. And then you hear something like Over the Edge or, or like Youth of America, and it's like psychedelic and strange and, you know, kind of sad and angsty, but not in like a obnoxious teenage way. It's not like a like a whiny angst. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. 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 I think it's like almost something about being from the Northwest that 
makes bands kind of like do this, you know? And it's crazy to think like how early Wipers like had their sound. Like this is a sound that I feel like is synonymous. I know this is an eighties album, but it's like Wipers were playing shows right around like, I think like late seventies and to, you know, the eighties, of course. But that's like pretty early for this type of sound that I would almost put like squarely as like kind of a late 80s kind of sound. Yeah. And no, no one, yeah, no one really sounded like that at all. And the production was so different from what most things were kind of moving towards where things were getting more shimmery with a lot more like reverb and chorus and like uh, that 80s sound, like big booming stadium drum sound and that kind of thing. Even on like even punk bands like The Damned and Fear had like kind of glossy sounding records and this was just really raw uh, but i think the guitar tone's so weird on it because it's heavy but it's clean like there's not really much like overdrive or anything going on it's just a really just big sound yeah it's strange too because it's like on this album it feels like the bass might not even be bass like it's it's got almost that yeah. sst quality where it's like it's mixed down kind of low but it is still present you know like on an sst yeah. recording yeah. it would be just not present um but like here you can kind of make out everything the separation's like really interesting yeah. uh for because they're not doing the punk thing where it's just all kind of like meshed together no and no it's, not at all yeah it's like they're they're a punk band and just by association and a lot of times like in the early way that like punk is yeah yeah it's like it feels punk adjacent like it's it's kind of punk because it's i mean i don't know it's not not punk but you don't really see them hanging out with you know the germs or something uh crick sage is like he's kind of like a bandana wearing hippie like seems like fairly sensitive artistic type and that you know he, yeah. he definitely wasn't like leather jacket punk. Oh yeah, not not at all. I feel like that's not usually the trip, you know, people were on in like Portland. It was just like it was just like the idea of like, oh, we can just be weirdos. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Like just like weirdos that. of any stripe, you know? Which I feel like it's like probably something that, you know, like growing up in like around where you grew up, like you feel you feel it, you know, because yeah, it's like yeah. you're not you're not just kind of one thing. Like if you kind of coming from a smaller beach town, which I think is like similar in the aesthetic of like growing up, you know, in Bristol, Virginia area, um, you kind of just find people. It's like if you if you right. live your life and we've talked about this a bunch since when we hung out, um, it's like if you live your life, that's like, oh, I want to find a bunch of people that are in the youth crew hardcore you're going to just be really sad and lonely. <laughs> yeah, you you might find four guys, but then you'll find <laughs> if you're like, lucky. some metalheads that are fun to hang out with, so Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing at like, you know, like the the venues here or the hideaway specifically uh is just there there's not enough people here that the scene fragments into these are the punk guys, these are the metal guys, etc. like everyone just goes to every show and I like that cuz you end up with a pretty eclectic mix. I think it affects I think everyone kind of influences each other in weird ways. So like, you know, you see like a death metal band, but they're all wearing like punk rock t-shirts or like a local noise artists thing or something like that. Yeah. I think that's definitely people that grow up in, I guess we'll say like mid-sized cities, you know, yeah, can feel. Yeah. And like, even though Portland, like we view it as like a big city, you know, it's so like isolated from like anything else. Like as you know, we know from even driving up there, like the distance from, like if you haven't been to the West Coast, the distance from like San Francisco to Portland seems like it shouldn't be that far, but it's like a day's trip, yeah. right? You know, so the the drives are much longer on tour out there for sure. We're used to everything kind of being on top of each other. Like you can go to the next city in an hour and a half from where we any of the places that we usually play in this little region uh everything seems a little more spread out there yeah uh yeah would you say that uh greg sage is egg punk or chain punk (laughs) um (laughs) i i think like it's like egg punk but in a sense that 
He's been in a cabin by himself for like years, you know, but <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah. he's inherently like, you know, I, sometimes I think like the, the egg punk people are like almost like the real punks in a way, because I yeah. think like, like chain punks are kind of like people that kind of wear punk on their heart all the time. And it, that's a lot of like dressing up, that you is. know, so there's a lot of artifice. Absolutely. Yeah, but I mean the thing to remember though, it's like the egg punk chain punk thing is really makes it's no silly. sense when you, yeah. yeah, it's very silly. <laughs> yeah. It's just something that we talk about on tour in the van a lot when we board. <laughs> and it does it does bring you in uh, strange directions where it's like when you kind of start putting everything in egg punk chain punk thing, it it gets really like like esoteric or existential <laughs> yeah. in a way. It's like there's, oh, is a uh, lot of room for gray area. <laughs> Yeah, was John Madden egg punk or chain punk? <laughs> so, he, so. Well, he's shaped like an egg, so my guess is. Yeah. All right, uh, yeah, John Madden. Think, uh, talking about living in a small town, it's not hard to relate. Like when you hear like Doomtown off of this album, like that kind of right away resonates with you when you're just like, oh, yeah, I know what it's like to hate where I live. Like every other like Midwest emo kid, but not in that kind of whiny twee like teenage way i think i've said that already i didn't mean to say yeah. it twice <laughs> no, you're good. yeah i i think um i don't know just like thinking about like greg sage like when like every time he comes up i wonder if this is why it's like they don't travel as well because like it feels almost impossible to find any information out about greg sage Oh, it's so hard. I getting ready for this. I was like, I'll look up some things. I'll read some facts, and there's nothing. It's like no one bothered to review anything or interview them, or there's no like making of any of the albums or yeah, no, I, no thirty-three and a third. Yeah, that's what's strange. <laughs> it's like for a band that I believe like they're they're on like either that list or the book or whatever it is that like Kurt Cobain had that's like all the bands he liked, you know. Yeah. And yeah. they were like one of the ones. It's like I don't there wouldn't be a Nirvana without Wipers, you know? Like no, it feels like those kind of bands. They covered. Know? Didn't they cover yeah. uh was it D seven, I think? Dimension seven, I think. Yeah, Nirvana did some wipers cover. Yeah, it's just, uh, all I found out is, like, so Greg lives in Phoenix now. <laughs> and I think okay. Greg has lived in Phoenix since, like, the 90s. So this isn't, like, a new thing. It's, like, but that also gives, like, this weird similarity between, like, Greg and, uh, you know, well, Greg, Greg Sage and Greg Ginn, where mm. it just kind of feels like a guy that has actually, like, done everything himself. But also, unlike Greg Ginn, has kind of like known the time to like leave, even if it was probably a little too early. Like yeah. I, I believe that like he even like the rumor I heard Greg Sage uh, cut his own records. Mm -hmm. So so they would just like they had like a hand lathe and yeah. would make their own records, like not even wow. out of pressing plants, just did everything. Yeah. Not a hundred percent sure on what the truth that. of that is, but the thing is, I feel like I, the little things I've heard about Greg Sage feels right so i'll take it as fact yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah well i i know that yeah he he was kind of very into that self-sustained model and not really doing it for the money like, uh, the one or two interviews i've been able to find with him he kind of acknowledged that they were a band without a scene and uh they weren't really expecting to get a big record deal or anything and the biggest hurdle for them was the cost of recording in the early days everything was so expensive and they were so poor <laughs> yeah, yeah so i could see him just being like i'm gonna cut these fuckers myself yeah i mean i guess we're we're like accustomed to the idea of like when you don't have money it's like you do things so that you can just like have them done you learn how to do that yeah. or yeah. no one's gonna do it for you yeah you know? absolutely i mean that's yeah that's the whole that's the whole punk rock thing right yeah, and one of the things you were saying, like, with him being a hippie, it really is, like, true. Like, he's older than my dad. Like, yeah. he was born in 1951. So it's like, right. by the time, you know, by the time Wipers 
came around and so they were formed in 77 so he was already i mean the math should be easy but i'm bad at that um he oh he's already like basically 30 years old right like yeah that's pretty <laughs> wild and uh I mean, you could kind of tell like uh i think a lot of older rock and roll influence shines through uh that he you know just i'm sure he learned how to play by playing a lot of like 60s and 70s rock obviously and uh i think those influences are there it gets a little like romeo is really like it's like a rowdy blues rock like bar rock song in the middle of all these like sad minor key you know kind of yeah. brooding angsty tracks like <clears throat> when you're listening to wipers do you feel like do you hear anything kind of specific peak out that's i know you said like bluesy rock but like does anything kind of like this moment you're like oh that's kind of thin lizzy or something does anything pop out not not too much honestly like that's one of the things i thought was so like captivating about them early on is that they don't really remind me of anyone and like the way greg sage plays guitar is not like anyone else like the there's always i love that he always plays full chords it's never like the little two note like punk rock power chord or whatever he's always like playing majors and minors and those kind of seems to know his theory and like know what he's doing but he's always got these little single note melodies that just make the song and make it sound more interesting than a standard punk song if there's more like a focus on the musicality of it than a lot of punk songs i, I, I just think uh his guitar playing seems really unique to me and he's a lefty like both you and i yeah yeah i was yeah i was just about to mention that and one of the things i actually heard for a long time and i'm reminded by it not being true usually people have told me that greg was left-handed but played right-handed but he's not i mean he's left-handed and he plays left-handed yeah Yeah, there's a lot of pictures (laughs) yeah there's a lot of pictures that show him doing that and uh, but i also wonder well, I guess with looking at it, oh, he actually plays left-handed guitars. I was wondering if he kind of like did the, like plays them upside down, but these are clearly like left-handed SGs that he's playing or something right. like that. Yeah. yeah. People with it, he's got like a leather, me. he's got like a leather vest open showing his chest and his like bandana on. And... <laughs> yeah, he, he straight up is just like, when you see, it's like, they're almost bikers, but they're like hippies, yeah. so they can't really yeah. commit to either, and that's fine with them, you know. It is a, it's a really cool look. You don't really see it that much. You don't, you don't see it that much anymore unless a person is seventy years old, which he is seventy-one yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. You can go to like any dive bar in a small town and see a guy that's dressed like that, but he doesn't look cool. Yeah, <laughs> he doesn't look like you want to hang out with him. Yeah, he usually looks like he maybe sell coke. <laughs> yeah they see sells coke and he has like little small skulls on the shirt he yeah. has on, on it. <laughs> yeah like yeah, flaming absolutely. skulls you know it's like any of that kind of like like it's been like targetified you know by that point it's not <laughs> yeah. like you know there's no kind of danger in it it's like you're just like a hanna-barbera like villain at that point or something yeah yeah you're just a guy that watches a lot of sons of anarchy yeah yeah, yeah. There is a picture, and I believe this is actually him. Um, there's a picture of him, what what looks like a kind of like a community meeting, like a local government meeting. And so he has a suit, but I'm not 100% that this is actually him or just another person named Greg Sage. So without doing zero <laughs> research, I'm just going to say... Okay, that isn't him, but I wanted to believe it was him. That was <laughs> that was Chief Greg Sage. So there is a guy named uh, Greg Sage that is a paramedic chief. So sorry, sorry. <laughs> and well, I mean, you know, I'm not even 100 percent that that's not him. He could be like 70 years old, living in Phoenix as a paramedic chief. Don't really know what he's been up to. That's what's what? weird about him. What has Greg Sage been up to? <laughs> yeah. I've never heard the term paramedic chief until just now. <laughs> So I guess if we wanted to talk specifically about any of the songs, um, and you've gone through a few of them, like what is your what is your thought on this record as like compared to their other albums? 
I think it's interesting because it's sort of more focused. Uh, I think the early, the earlier two, they had a lot of like psychedelic freakouts and like long, like six minute, nine minute long songs that were, you know, get, get really quiet and get really loud again and a lot of yeah, different yeah. parts and that sort of thing. Or like, uh, you know, uh, the like Youth of America has, has like a couple of just really long, like it's like, just drums and bass very quiet and he's just kind of like noodling on guitar uh, like it's jammy it's a little bit jammy uh, and yeah. then on it feels like on this album all the songs kind of tightened up a little all got a little shorter there's not as much like meandering that way which i still like all that stuff but uh this is just it, it feels like it, it it's more focused it hits a little harder uh the recording is a little louder and uh, it to me it's like it's the pinnacle it's it's the peak of the wipers because what land of the lost is the next album and it's fine but it's kind of normy it's it's not really nearly as uh as like brooding or challenging or intense uh it's it, it's not bad at all but yeah it, it feels like and i don't know what kind of heat they had on them because i feel like a lot of the stuff that i remember people talking about the wipers even still in hindsight it felt like the whole Nirvana thing was probably like a big push, but they stopped. Well, Wiper stopped being a band around 1999, or at least that's when the last record came out. So I wonder, like, what was the reason that they kind of started shifting into things like Land of the Lost, you know, or even on this album, like kind of deciding to go more straightforward than they had with, you know, Youth of America. You know, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't I'd like to know, but. Like we said, it's so hard to find any real information about them. Yeah, and and it's such a backwards thing. We were saying like we can't really think of anything they sound like, but it's more like everything that comes after kind of sounds like that. Yeah, yeah. you <laughs> so. you get a lot of that kind of like death rock sound from from this record and a little bit of the ones before it. Uh, it's yeah. funny, like you mentioning the Nirvana thing. I I do kind of vaguely remember Nirvana mentioning the Wipers. Uh, when I was younger, but I got into so many bands through that band because you would read interviews with Kurt Cobain and he would talk about Jesus Lizard and Scratch Acid and Big Black and Flipper and, you know, of course, Daniel Johnson and like that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I think a lot of people kind of owe a debt to them for that, which, you know, obviously Nirvana is a massively influential rock band, but I don't, nobody really talks about how influential they were in that way. Like, a lot of people heard the Melvins for the first time because of Nirvana. So. Yeah, like a band of their stature didn't have to really kind of reach down and explicitly say these things. Like that was a calculated effort in like a positive sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I feel like usually when you say calculated effort, it's like, <laughs> it's right, like, right. yeah, different connotations there. But yeah, yeah. But it's like they didn't have to, you know, it's like to kind of like reach down and kind of pull your friends up with you is like right you know they could have been at that point where they're like well everyone kind of said we're sellouts so fuck you you know but right right but instead it was like every photo shoot like they would make go out of their way where everyone is wearing a, like a tad t-shirt or you know whatever black flag whatever meat puppets on and on screaming trees rest in peace lanigan <laughs> yeah definitely and even like with you know, them wearing like SSD shirts and stuff like that, which, yeah. you know, I don't even know it's, it doesn't even directly benefit really anyone at that right, point, right. you know, but, but yeah, like always kind of wearing that, proudly wearing that influence, you know, uh, there, you know, what I think actually one of the times that, um, they really stuck to me, the wipers did was really just like hearing youth of America for either the first time or just kind of like actually giving it a listen and that like 10 minute song. And then like a few years later, were, did you see Melvin's cover it? Uh, no, I've never actually seen that. Yeah. They, they do a they cover. Do. Yeah. They do a cover of youth of America and it's amazing. Like, you know, I like their covers. They do good covers. Like yeah, I, that, yeah. that version of a uh, poison by MC five. They did on one of the, uh, one of those 12 inch singles for AMREP. I always mm -hmm. love that cover. Yeah. And I didn't realize that, um, that going blind was a kiss cover for a long time. I just thought that that was a Melvin song. 
Yeah. It sounds like a Melvin song. It's so doomy. The way they yeah. do it is perfect. It's yeah, better it, than the original. Well, it's definitely better than the original, like even as a Kiss fan. But it's, I mean, it's just clearly is. But it's interesting too, though. Like when you hear the Kiss version, you're like, it's a pretty faithful cover. Yeah, it's just like, down tuned yeah. a little, slightly slower. Yeah. It just sounds heavier. Yeah, it's like all the pieces are there. Like sometimes you hear like a cover, and you're like, wow, they did a lot of like lifting here, right. but it's just kind of all of it but better yeah <laughs> so. i do i like that kiss album if i'm being honest is they're, that or, they're, they're goofy as hell but i like some kiss is that is that from the uh kind of like the, the ones that just have like their faces on them no it was on uh hotter than hell oh okay okay yeah, yeah. yeah. which i like and i like dress to kill okay i actually <laughs> i think i'm actually going back to the melvins in my head there too because they they do the uh, reference to Kiss, which they've done a lot in their career, but yeah, the three it's... solo albums thing, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's great, yeah. So I have uh, somewhere. So kind of going along with the thing of uh, you can't really like figure out what their Wipers influences are, but like seeing the influence on other people. But on Jay Maskus's solo like live album that he does, that first one, there is a Wipers cover or a Greg Sage cover on, he covers on the run, uh, which is that a wiper song? Cause the Greg Sage band, have you listened to Greg Sage band? I guess uh, yeah, is the question. Some. Yeah. Some, not, not as extensively as I have the wipers, but yeah, a bit. I've heard some. And what, where does that, cause looking at where wipers kind of grow into, like where does Greg Sage band kind of progress into like more into the bluesy or indie or yeah, what is it? I, it feels a little more like bluesy and uh, like singer songwritery to me. I think, yeah. uh, like what I've heard, it's it's not quite as it's. I don't know. It's like a the punk rock equivalent of like a I don't want to say like John Mellencamp or something, <laughs> but like wow. he. I don't know, it's like he just became like more focused on that and way less focused on wild psychedelic weirdness and. Mm, yeah i i wonder though it's like i wonder what greg sage is doing right now like as a 71 year old man that lives in phoenix arizona does he have a family i doubt that there's enough money that exists that allows him to survive off of wipers but i'd be happy to be wrong there what if he's doing a podcast about late bloomer waiting (laughs) right now yeah he's like i don't know anything (laughs) about these guys yeah (laughs) Uh, I bet that he is he is wearing like a bandana at this very moment. Oh yeah. yeah. I wonder do you think he's the kind of guy that has a lot of bandanas or he just has like a half a dozen bandanas that are like really important to him? Hmm. <laughs> I think he probably has a lot of bandanas, but he only wears the couple that are important. Like that's his one extravagance. Like he's not a sneakers guy, he's a bandana guy. Yeah, he he buys a bunch of bandanas with the intention to use them. Like he probably, I would imagine that he's he pretty much uses like two guitars. Like it's like his electric guitar and his acoustic guitar, but he might have some other ones that are like fifty dollar guitars. That you know, because he seems like a guy that likes to tinker. Yeah, but yeah, I get that vibe. We're inferring yeah. a lot. <laughs> we are. Well, we have to almost like make up the mythology of Greg Sage yeah. because it's like. I, I I mean, there wasn't like a lot out there, you know? I heard he raises horses. <laughs> and they all wear bandanas too. Yeah, absolutely. Huge bandanas. <laughs> he's a, yeah, he's a, he's the premier Phoenix horse razor. And he owns the Phoenix Suns. <laughs> he owns the, he, yeah, he used it away. Uh, when he sold uh, Trap Records. Yeah, he bought Phoenix Suns, but it's the Phoenix S O N S. Yeah, it's a it's a minor it's a minor league uh, neighborhood uh, basketball team. Well, not they, even they minor call, league. It's child they call league. Craig's boys. <laughs> Craig's boys. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Um, but okay, so one of the notes that I wrote down was precursor to alt rock. So you saw how prepared I, I was coming into this. You know, um, but but like that idea, like and we talked about it a bunch, just like how everything kind of like comes 
from it, you know? Like, even, I guess even, like, like we mentioned, like, Dinosaur Jr., you know? Yeah. Like, there wouldn't be anything without it. One thing I notice, like, whenever I see people cover uh, Wipers, I always, like, get a little upset because I feel like they don't do it right. And it's not that you have to, like, have a faithful cover. Like, most of the time, don't. But I right. feel like it's like they don't necessarily like nail the spirit of white. It doesn't get, just right. Yeah. It just kind of becomes a punk song, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it kind of slightly bothers me. I was surprised uh, to see that Red Fang covered Over the Edge. I, I feel like they could it. do a good job because they're like they're like musicians. <laughs> yeah, they're a good band. And they're uh, they're are they a Portland band? Like I think they, yeah, they're from they're, up that way. Yeah. Yeah, I think they're Northwest. They could probably tell us a shit ton about wipers. Yeah, yeah, they probably, they yeah. probably wipe a time or two. <laughs> I I bet I bet that um, it's almost like if you talk to people in Portland of a certain age, which Red Fang guys are probably up around that age, um, they probably it's almost like local people. Yeah, have have tales of Greg Sage that just don't travel like. Like even with my work, we have we have a lot of collections of poster stuff from the Pacific Northwest, and for some reason we have a ton of wiper stuff. Like I haven't seen wiper stuff in my whole life that isn't just like a bootleg, right. you know, like a bootleg shirt, you know. <laughs> and like yeah, I, okay. I'm not even certain if I've seen an OG copy of a wipers record. No, all of mine are reprints. Yeah, repressing. Yeah. <laughs> like it's like. So to see like actual original wiper stuff, it makes, but what's funny about it is it's not even so much that I'm like, Oh, I see this. It's, it's funny to think that it makes it to like the people that I work with that, that the wipers were like the biggest band in the Northwest based on like how often we have their stuff. Yeah. It's just, which is so funny. Cause it's like, you know, I feel like I've told people like, you don't see this in normal life. Like this, you don't just come across wiper stuff. Yeah. No, not at all. Yeah. Uh, and you rarely meet people that are like younger that really like them. I don't know. It seems like they're not. I don't know. It just feels like the legacy isn't enduring with a lot of yeah. the younger punks I meet. You know, of course, like we go out on the road and every, like it's kind of a different vibe now. We're always the dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everything's a little, little different, a little more emo. Yeah, I, I'm kind of thinking like how in a sense like even though you know even though like late bloomer's been a band for a while it's like when we go out on the road a thing that we used to do back in the before times um uh, we are like the greg sages uh yeah. you know, we're... Yeah, we're the oldest guys <laughs> at most of the shows yeah. <laughs> and people are like what are they aren't into you know it's like do they yeah. like the same music my dad likes like probably yeah, more so than the music probably. you like <laughs> yeah like that like the buffalo show where everybody there's just a bunch of like 50 year old guys in replacement shirts and they fucking loved us <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> it's like we found our people <laughs> uh, but yeah i don't know i it's always like i try and think you know when you think of uh when you have like kind of thoughts of like west coast shows when you were like a kid you know it's like you had this vision of like or i did i don't don't know like of la shows being like 500 people yeah but but it feels like like portland or when you get into seattle like feels like it could be like the top of the world Mm yeah like i don't even know if i really have a point it's just it feels like it's like not where life should exist and not where like punk should like thrive or some version of punk that we're putting in quotes everyone's cold and it's raining though i don't know there's a lot of angst yeah, it's the angst that kind of like morphs itself into like such a different thing. I guess we're kind of like teasing on the idea of uh, punk or grunge existing, right. but but it totally makes sense when you put all those things together. Yeah, I'll always be a grunge kid. It's it's stuck in me. I can't get over every band from the '90s. Apparently, but what do you think? It what do you think it like truly means? Because I think a lot of times whenever we say grunge and i know sometimes i i kind of even scoff at it like where it's like i don't want to put it on fully because of the connotations that it is but it's like what does it mean outside of the connotations that like culture has prescribed like grunge to be 
Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, obviously, it's just kind of a dumbass label that a journalist or somebody slapped on a lot of different kinds of bands because, uh, like, a lot, so much of the music that gets kind of put under that umbrella is like clearly metal or punk rock or just, you know, somebody like Mud Honey that just kind of wanted to sound like the Stooges or something. Like, you know, they're like, this is grunge and that is grunge, but it's like, you got Tad and Pearl Jam both under that label. And Tad doesn't sound like Pearl Jam. Thank God. Yeah. Yeah. None of those bands really sound anything alike. It's almost like if you line them up together, you kind of get a through line. It's like, oh, well, you stand here and you stand here. And then the connections start making sense. But if you compare a band, like you said, Pearl Jam to Tad, there couldn't be two different bands. No, no, not at all. <laughs> Very so, different approaches to music and very yeah. different levels of success. But to anyone that's like an outside person, it's like, that's a genre. Oh, yeah. Which is such a funny thing to me. It's like, it's even just to think of, if we're using the term grunge to the way that it went, um, and I guess that means post-grunge, but it's like, like a band like Live being anything similar to, once again, Tad. Right. You know, it's just but like, yeah. I don't, where are we, you're like, like Candlebox isn't anything close to, I don't know, Mud Honey. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> or even if we're going, like, like, you never Alice heard that Tad Chains, cover yeah. of Lightning Crashes? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe the odd man out there is, is Tad. But even when I think about, like, because if we're kind of, I guess in a way we're indirectly saying that Wipers are like a proto grunge band. If we, yeah, I think yeah. that's fair. And also being Northwest, I think that has a, a role in it. You know, like you said, it was kind of a regional thing. There's probably a lot of people up there that got to see Wiper shows, whereas a lot of people didn't because they weren't the kind of band that could afford to tour extensively. They didn't have the backing. Or... It's so funny that it really is such a regional thing, because if you think about the time frames of when they came from, Dinosaur Jr. should be a grunge band by all accounts of what everyone is saying grunge is in that big umbrella. But they're not considered a grunge band almost simply because they're not from the Northwest. Like, yeah, it's, so, they're, it's so strange. They're what, Boston? Isn't that? Yeah, like right? Amherst kind of area. Yeah, okay, but like yeah, yeah. Western Mass, but you know. Right. Yeah, it's just it's just so strange because it's like I would draw, and I, I know I've done it a bunch, uh, I would draw more similarities between Wipers to, uh, to Dinosaur Jr. than I would any a lot of other things that happened in the Northwest a few years later. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. Just interesting. So, I'm curious, uh, uh, it, like, when you see all the posters at work, like, who they're on a bill with frequently, is there any strange wipers bills or uh... there there are a few that actually have them with neo boys because okay. they they were really early into uh but they were they were almost like there if there wasn't a neo boys then there wouldn't be a lot of the kind of riot girl sound as i feel uh, like where that kind of they were like a proto example of that a few um, okay. years before yeah. um and so, it, but it's also like way over the place, but also like some of the later stuff, you'll see them a poison idea, um, oh, that's cool. you know, dead moons also like poison ideas that on everything, dead moons yeah. on a bunch too. But there's also like this camp where it's like the bands that were perceived as like the headliner of the time, you don't always see them intersecting. It's like, it's like, it's almost like tours. It's like, you would almost expect like two of these bigger bands to go out, but they almost like create their own orbits. So it's like Wipers headline things, but they weren't doing like shows all the time with Dead Moon, or at least that's kind of the story right. that that these posters through the years kind of tell. Yeah, yeah. The Dead Moon Association makes a lot of sense. I don't know why I didn't think of that. That's another great yeah. band. That's kind of yeah, similar in some ways. Very DIY. Uh, very of another time, also much older than a lot of their contemporaries in True. the punk rock. Yeah, uh, it's a it's pretty similar. I mean, it's like the difference there is like, I mean, it is another band too, where it's like that should be a band more on people's lips. But for as yeah. 
but Dead Moon are more in com- in comparison to Wipers. You feel like at least people I know feel like they reference Dead Moon more. Yeah. Well, and Dead Moon had more longevity too. Yeah. This I caught yeah. them. I caught them at the Pilot Light in Knoxville in the early 2000s, and it was unbelievable. They were so good. Like it was such a good show. Really fiery yeah. and just and like a lot of community. It felt like a room full of Dead Moon fans have something more. I don't know a closer connection than a room full of fans of some other kinds of bands. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like everyone yeah. there, it's like such a niche thing, and for everybody there to know every word, it was a very like it was pre-COVID, so everyone was kind of like hugging and arm in arm and singing along to every song. Beautiful. It really was like when you see Dead Moon and then like uh, what Pierce Arrows was their band after that. Yeah, yeah. Um, it really was like you're there to watch your mom and dad or like your grandparents, <laughs> depending on your age, yeah, you know. Yeah. But with Greg Sage, it's like I don't know guy that lives in the house next door that we're like not sure what he does you know right what <laughs> you know? Doing? yeah like there's a guy yeah. in my neighborhood um he's like an older gentleman and when you go by his house um he's just listening to jazz really loud and i uh-huh. think it's really cool but uh-huh. i'm not gonna walk in his house you know you should like <laughs> just go in and say hi yeah, I'm like I, don't, I'm you know I don't know I don't have my phone on me. Can can you tell me like what jazz this is kind of because it's like kind of complicated jazz. Like it's like it's not free jazz, but it's like it's 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 like it's not hard bop, but it's like what but a, a medium bop. I don't know. <laughs> you know I'm like what medium bop is this? You know Low I really want to know. Yeah, um, yeah, it's, just so that kind of guy. Like older? older jazz or like is he into like is there's like some kamasi washington going on over there or? well what was interesting though he was playing so, today he was playing something that probably was like older kind of like uh modal uh hard bop kind of stuff uh-huh. um but today and if we lost everybody when i said that that's my <laughs> uh, but today or yesterday he was playing something it was like it sounded in that same vein but what made it sound different is almost the bass tone on it either sounded like Primus or Faith No More. But everything oh, else was just like kind of weird, regular kind of more slightly complicated jazz. Like jazz, it's yeah. easy enough to listen to, but there's a little, it's not Kenny G, you know, the real yeah, jazz. But that yeah. bass tone of like, he like just changed it into a new thing, you know, I don't know. But I, I just so had it was a guy, bass jazz. I just had a guy at my job uh, ask me if I could play some jazz and uh i was like sure why not so i put on a coltrane album while he was having his dinner and uh he called me back over and told me that the music i was playing was too interesting and he didn't think it worked for dining i needed to change it again so i asked him to leave a a yelp review that said music's too interesting here (laughs) that is a nice way to put it that he was telling you he did not approve of yours uh (laughs) yeah that was pretty polite yeah, he wanted oh, okay, Kenny. Yeah, he wanted it to sound like the the uh, TV Guide channel. Yeah, man. Yeah, I I don't know. I, do you think Greg Sage listens to jazz, or what? Is, what do you think he's listening to right now? Uh, uh Gregorian chants. <laughs> Actually, he might be. <laughs> he might, there was something. <laughs> well, maybe, but I bet that uh, there was something I read about Van Halen. That it was like that he doesn't listen to music when he drives. He just likes to listen to the engine. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's cool. Greg Sage. Yeah. <laughs> Except instead of an engine, it's just like maybe he hires someone with a didgeridoo to just kind of provide a background vibe. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Um, well, I didn't do a great job of allowing us to go into the track. So if you have uh, notes to say about like any of the, the songs or, you know, this would be where you can do it. Oh, all right. Well, well, yeah, I mean, we covered a bit. I do like, uh, the first three tracks, just that's a great opener. Uh, but I think one of the standouts, one of the ones that I really love, uh, that I even like, I don't ever hear my wipers fan friends mentioned there's no generation gap i was just looking at that one because it's a okay so if you were to pick one song what do you think it would be on some <laughs> like your favorite it might it might be that it might be no generation gap it's like it's got a lot of the uh 
it's got a lot of the things, a lot of the tricks in the wipers bag. A lot of the things I like about them, like the, it's spooky, but it's really pretty. The chord changes are, you know, it's yeah, just, it's just a really pretty sounding song. And then the that vocal melody, and the chorus, I think, is really cool and kind of haunting. It's a pretty melody. I, I think this album they became more focused on melody. It became a more melody driven band. Uh, there is some on all of their stuff, obviously, but uh, it feels more like Greg Sage using his voice as an instrument on this uh, and less like him just kind of providing vocals to uh, a freak out. Yeah, it's like, yeah, before it almost feels like it's like, well, we got to have a singer in the band, so I'll, I'll right, put right. some things in, you know. Uh, but I, I like the way this record ends, like even just, I would have said that the, my favorite track on it is No Generation Gap, but I do think the way that this record ends as a whole between No Generation Gap and This Time is yeah. a really great closer for the album. And I like the weird uh, like sequel to Alien Boy, basically. Like the No One Wants an Alien. It's like kind of Alien Boy, kind of not. Mm. It's a beautiful song also. Yeah. And do you do you feel like is there a song on this record that you would cut if you had to? I don't think so. I don't know. Yeah, uh, it's there, not that long of a record. Like it's thirty six no. minutes, and I feel like for the time frame and the fact that they're not like a fast hardcore band, so you're not like okay, I got to get out now. You know, right, like it right. it all goes down well, and it's I can't think of yeah. yeah, yeah. There's there's like sad, slow, or you're like kind of, you know or brooding songs and there's some more up-tempo bangers there's like there's peaks and valleys yeah they are a band that like knew their dynamics yeah absolutely they were always a big fan of uh like one of their favorite tricks was for the guitar to drop out for a while and just do the bass and drums and vocals thing and then that way when the guitar comes back in and the chorus or the pre-chorus or whatever it's just like five times heavier like that's a that's a Greg Sage trick I've noticed he uses an awful lot, but I'm into it. I've also yeah. stolen it in many nerve ending songs. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's also I think like a bag that I feel like people in like three piece bands, it's like kind of the way to do dynamics, you know. Yeah. Um, and another interesting thing I think looking into this record is like everything is credited to Greg Sage, so it's like I don't get a sense of knowing who else is like who is in the band at this time like i see people that are the members but it's like from night well i know from 93 to 99 it looks like it was mainly him in the studio like he did yeah. almost everything except for like steve ploff yeah yeah like it, it's hard to know who's on what album uh, for me I, with that band I like it I, it seems like it changes a lot I don't it doesn't feel like there was like a core band or he just had like his writing partner or you know he was definitely not one of those guys it's like I keep my band yeah These like my... whenever yeah when I look at the notes of it just on Wikipedia it says all tricks all tracks are written by Greg Sage and I'm like wait did Greg Sage make that edit you know <laughs> like it's like there's cl uh, clearly other people on this album but it's like you know it's it's like a secret you know there's a bunch of members that i could say were on it but it's like i don't specifically know who plays on this record is yeah. well and there's clearly two guitar parts happening at the same time on most of these songs uh because there's always like the little single note melody lines that are under the big heavy chugging chord parts uh but i don't know if that's like greg overdubbing and doing both or or maybe he's just doing some kind of guitar wizardry. Sounds like two parts. <laughs> yeah, and uh, one one thing of note, I guess. Uh, so for the song Romeo, it was it was also on like a single. It was their second single, um, so it was re. I guess a new recording of it put up, put on this album. So of note, and oh, okay. uh, the single and the Youth of America album featured members of. Stiffnoids, a band who also recorded on Trap Records. Um, okay. So I guess that answers, but that answers the question for Youth of America, not no. for this this record specifically. So I don't know, some Portland dudes. Uh, <laughs> so I guess like what makes me think about it though, like 
how do you feel that wipers influence your own writing or do you feel like it's like direct? Uh, I don't, they haven't had a huge direct impact, but I think early on they kind of, they were one of the bands that informed my understanding of how to write interesting sounding punk songs. Uh, I, I don't like to, I like, I like to pay attention to the musicality of like the songs I write for nerve endings, for example, like I feel like we always try to have full chords and interesting riffs and things like that and not, and avoid the trapping of just like the three power chord punk song that's been done to death over and over. And Greg Sage is one of those guys that always did that for me. Like he always had some underlying melody or he would do little changes after the couple bars, subtle things to kind of keep the song moving progressing uh that and like i i don't know the lefty thing i always i always like taking a little bit of influence from other left-handed guitar weirdos and how do you feel like it kind of that manifests itself like because i do think that there is like a certain way that left-handed people kind of do write even if they're not realizing it i don't know uh i've written several songs on other people's guitars like plunking around it other people's houses or just being on tour and we're staying with someone and sitting there uh and like it'll they'll be like a right-handed guitar so i've actually written several nerve ending songs on right-handed guitars upside down just fucking around because there's never a left-handed guitar in anybody's house to just pick up and play around on or whatever so you you start to learn all your chords upside down and learn your scales backwards and stuff without trying to it just kind of happens over the years and then i think it gives you a unique perspective on the just on the guitar neck on like your way around it and i don't know the ability to just flip that in your head and okay well this is a g this way but this is a g this way like I, I, that's not a skill that a right-handed person has any reason to develop <laughs> yeah 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 i mean it's funny though because it's like it's it's worked in like a different way for me it's 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 worked in a way that it's like when you go to someone's house, you never have to feel like someone's going to be like, hey, play something. You know, yeah. I don't even know if I'd have the capability, but it's like if it, it gets you it gets you off the hook, you know, so <laughs> so it's like yeah. you've kind of you kind of put yourself in a place to uh, to make yourself do it. You right. know, like like one of the Jimi Hendrix stories was kind of like that he learned things both ways because it's like if he played left handed around like his dad or something he would get in trouble and i'm not even 100 percent if that's like a true story but you know those kind of things like playing like that obviously would affect the way you kind of voice chords and whatnot right just the way you think of writing parts absolutely yeah um so so i guess like you know let me see i can edit this part out um what do you do you feel like you have anything because we can kind of just move into like your own bands and just kind of like talk off of that more to the now if we don't have much more to say about wipers yeah i'm good with moving on uh i don't know we've got a couple of shows booked yeah but... let me pick it back up and then i'll kind of yeah <clears throat> so i guess like you were kind of mentioning with nerve endings and you know with your other bands so i guess just simply like what what do you have coming up over the next few months or that you've done recently? Well, we uh, we do have we've got a couple shows coming up, which, like I said, we haven't been playing a lot. No one has really. Well, yeah, part, but uh, yeah, we've got a thing March 26th uh, with our buddies Poverty Bomb, which is like a local like crust punk band that I'd highly recommend. They're like kind of in the vein of like his hero is gone and that sort of stuff. Uh we haven't played with them in two years, a little over two years because of all this. So I'm excited about that. We've got like a thing coming up on May 13th. That'll be cool. It's a, it's a band called X parents from Roanoke is coming down and it's guys that used to be in like Cacistocracy and sunshine SS oh, yeah. and uh, uh, the hypodermics with Noah back in the day, our mm -hmm. drummer, which, you know, nobody yeah. else knows we know this. <laughs> But yeah, uh, like, so we got a couple shows, but I, I, we've got a lot of new stuff right now. Uh, I wrote a lot over the, not a lot, but a bit over the course of pandemic and us not getting to go out and 
play shows. So we, we're going to try to do an EP probably in the next six months or so. I think we've got the songs all written. We're just going to tighten them up, keep practicing, see how they develop over the course of a couple shows, that kind of thing. Uh, yeah, so we're about ready to put out another release, I think. Yeah, Which, I feel like know. everyone in the world is like, need it's almost like normally i would say like needing to like everyone's kind of due for it i guess is you know a way i just say it other than that it's like well i've been playing a lot in in vespers that's kind of my newer thing uh it's we've been playing a lot of shows lately uh it's a little more it's it's a little easier to fly in under the radar in that band it's kind of more gentle and i don't know if commercially viable is the right word but a little at least like uh no, it's not abrasive. It's not so abrasive. We can play a lot more, a lot, a lot wider variety of shows than Nerve yeah. Endings. Nerve Endings doesn't get asked to play a lot of like cafes and art shows. And oh, I bet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, and then other than that, just recording an album with you later. Yeah. 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 If we can line everything up, which we, we will. I mean, at this point, it's kind of like if it's going to happen on this month. And if not, it's going to happen on the next month. So yeah. there's definitely, um, so I guess promoting our band that we're in together that we haven't been you know it's it's so weird too it's like a lot of the relationship that we developed over you know that year and longer um it's like we expected to do more of it so it's such like a thing that was put on hold and you know such a bummer yeah um, of course you know canceling a giant european tour and yeah Yeah, but it, but it's also I think what makes it almost like made it made it all easier because it's not like it's not like I canceled the tour. <laughs> I always like oh, I always tell that to tour got yeah. yeah. So it's kind of like a not like a oh you know I'm not doing you know it's like it wasn't on me. So in a way it sort of like gave me you know kind of license to kind of like not beat myself up over it because what was oh, I, I going to do about it? I yeah. agree completely. It, it it took a lot of the sting out of it. Uh, there was no like. FOMO because you looked around oh, at all yeah. of your other friends and bands and they were like, yeah, I'm bored to death. I haven't played a show in a year. I don't know what the fuck. I feel <laughs> like okay, I've, I've just now started to feel like kind of like FOMO because people are starting to pick up more. Like yeah. last year had so many like stops and starts. It was like at that point it was like, if I do like something, I'll feel like I did something this year, you know? Right. Like I felt really then, good about playing fest. And then yeah. when I got home, like a few days later, I had like that post, it's like the post tour depression I used to get when I have to go back to work after having fun with you guys for a few weeks or whatever. And then you're just back at your, like the, the worst part of your life. <laughs> like after that, I was like, Oh man, fest was so much fun, but it was like a taste of doing what we really want to be doing what we used to do all the time. It was, it was a reminder that I want to get out there and do that again for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm finally starting to feel that because probably like a, you know post fest depression then kind of like just you get busy and then now it's you know march and so it's like i'm finally feeling like a place where it's like oh i want to look down the calendar i guess you know and try and like figure out what i'm gonna do and you know that took a while to you know kind of come back yeah you know it's so so much work to book a tour and it, it if you're apprehensive to do something like that when you know that it could just go belly up at a moment's notice with like a new variant or whatever, like you to put all that effort into booking something, knowing that there's a chance it still won't happen is that's frustrating, obviously. Yeah. A lot of people that we know personally, like our friend John and knowing it was like, yeah. he booked, like he booked a tour and then like another thing. And so almost every time I was like, I should be booking somebody like him or uh, any of our other friends would have to cancel runs. And I was like, Oh, I didn't make a bad decision. You know, I kept right. feeling like I should have, and then they would cancel it. And it's like I didn't feel good about it canceling, but I also felt like I was like, okay, you know, yeah, um, you know. So it was like I was right, but it wasn't like I won something. You know, sometimes where you're like <laughs> right, right. you prove something, but it's like it's like unfortunately I'm right. <laughs> right, exactly. I would yeah. I would have much preferred that Nine got to go do their tour, but I'm glad that they didn't get COVID because they were on the road when they shouldn't be or anything um yeah i can't wait to hear new nerve ending stuff and obviously personally um i can't wait to you know record stuff with you and you know i guess have you in town and us practice or be out of town somewhere and 
you know, all of those weird things that go along with the road and then avoiding houses that have cats in them. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, like I said, I super appreciate you taking the time to talk with me about, you know, like we said, an underrated band and then other things. Yeah, I always love talking to you, Josh. Welcome back. Thanks again to Jared for coming on the pod. Check out his bands, Nerve Endings and Vespers. And hopefully, we'll get back to playing shows so I can see my good buddy very soon. Seriously, miss you so much. Okay, next time on the pod, we're talking with comedian Marcus Monroe about Newfound Glory's album Sticks and Stones. So tune in next week. Once again, check out our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash spinningoutpod. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at SpinningOutPod. Lastly, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever that's a thing. Reviews definitely help. Thanks as always to Sarah Blumenthal for editing the pod and Pretty Maddie for the theme. Okay, see you next week.